Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, presented by the tech doctor, Ronan Leonard. Hi, welcome to our Tech News Podcast. Today I'm down in uh, Blackbook, Studios in Galway, and uh, to do podcasts with the guys and girls who work there. So, introduce yourself, people. Tell us who you are. Uh, I'm Tony Moreno. I'm the managing and creative director at the studio. Um, uh, we I take care of everything that is obviously visual, and uh, uh, I also take care of I make sure that the company runs well. And uh, uh, yeah, that's what I do at the studio. My name is Deirdre O'Connor. I'm the chief creative technologist in the studio. Um, originally, I studied computer science, so I'm a software engineer. But my role in Blackfoot Studio is making sure that the design and tech teams are working together, promoting our brand to the public and acquiring new people, selling our services to them. And hi, I'm uh, Julian Garrigues. I uh, work at Blackbook Studio as lead technologist. Uh, I basically uh, build uh, the technology behind uh, everything we do. And uh, yeah, I take care of the tech team. Tell us a bit about what you guys do and how you started. Well, we started back in 2015, uh, where Julian, uh, actually 2014 to be uh, perfectly honest, where Julian came up with the idea of uh, building a company where we would make uh, websites. And I think we had this uh, romanticized idea that we would be uh, at the bottom of a garage uh, building websites for awesome clients and make tons of money, and that would be like you see in movies. Um, but in the end, we actually made an actual company where uh, he came up with the idea, we tried to find a name and we established ourselves in, in Galway and make websites, web design, softwares, communication, podcasts. We've done uh, a lot of things. In fact, it's super hard to define ourselves because we do so many different things that, that I, we actually like. And the name, where did that come from? That's a good question. <laughs> uh, I think we, we went through maybe more than 20 different versions of the names, like uh, Studio 54, um, we wanted to be called Green Panda at some yeah. point. Um, cheeseburger something. Cheeseburger, uh, yeah. Shift Paradigm, which it was your idea, and then it was like, I don't think that actually works. People are going to have troubles to pronounce paradigm, you know, in other countries. Yeah. And uh, eventually, uh, our shareholder, uh, Tiffen, uh, a friend of mine, came up with that. Uh, we were in Ireland, so she sent us a video of that pug called... I can't remember the name of that pug. It's a pug that sort of bounces and flounces, whatever. Yeah. It and uh, it's a very funny uh, video. Uh, very tender and nice and we said oh this is cool like uh, we should be called pug something you know pugs are popular dogs yeah. and it should shouldn't be related to what we do it should be sort of a uh, you know we have a name but we do something else it shouldn't be like tech web agency super generic and I came up with the idea that it needed to start with a B yeah. like because I worked before at Blizzard yeah. or at Bioware and there were successful companies. I had this idea in my head that it, if our company started with B, mm -hmm. that would be nice. And I said, how about a color? Uh, not blue. Okay, like black. Black pug. Black pug what? Or black pug studio. At first, studios. But yeah. then we were like, actually, we're just one studio, so we'll remove the S. Yeah. And that's how. Because we found that video that she sent to us. And <laughs> we thought it was fun. And people love it. It's like Apple and Spotify. When you hear the name, you know what to do. Because it doesn't, it doesn't sound... That's what 
that we build computers or we do we create music online. That's true. Yeah, and yeah. um, we really didn't want it to be related to what we did and and to be sort of fun and and approachable. And I think Pug is such a popular dog that it gives us this cool vibe. It's uh, catchy. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess as well, it also it's a great way when you want to to do logos with with yourself, with but the dog is easier to do that. The logo was also a process where I think we had more than forty different iterations. Some look like L'Oreal, some look more like Disney, and eventually uh, we landed with this idea of having the B and the paw inside, but the paw needed to be in a regional paw, so we went on and found a, a pug and uh, put the paw on the on the floor, took a picture of the paw, the mark, you know, yeah. and, um, and then traced it, basically, and then we really wanted it to be a pug's paw, basically. And, and people are like, oh, is it a really... Is it an original paw? Because some other companies have like Naughty Dog would have the spa of a dog as well. And we're like, yes, this is a, a pug's paw that we made for this. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of cool. So it's like a really interesting process. And it had to be black. Yeah. Black and white. So yeah. like Most games you have seen have always got a black and white logo in the past too. Because it's, it's, it probably stands out more. It works well. If it works well in black and white, it will work in, in any color. Yeah. We added color later on in the process where when we actually painted the, the studio the walls of the studio to give it because we di we have no windows yeah uh, sorry we have windows by proxy yeah uh, we needed to have like an environment that was stimulating for ourselves like we, we want to come in the morning sit down here and have fun doing what we do so we painted the walls uh, and we're no painters but we thought we were pretty successful at it so yeah. we ended up painting this room, the creative room, with all those different bizarre shapes, yeah. thinking it would be cool, but it was also very difficult to do because we didn't know how to do it. Um, in, fact, in fact, the part that is white is not white because we wanted it to be white, yeah. it's because there's tons of little devices there, and then we didn't want to paint around and put like masking tape. So. Yeah. Yeah. so yeah, that added color to all of this, and there's a little trivia around this, and Julian and I were working on our original website and he said, you know, it's very black and white. Why don't we add some color? I said, yeah, no problem. So I had this idea of using the colors of the prism, you know, like when yeah. it's, so it goes into like this. If you've seen Star Trek, the original Star Trek, there's this sort of rainbowy color on the faces of their characters on the poster. Yeah. And I was like, this is really cool. We should use that. Um, Julian wasn't too much of a fan of the rainbowy colors. Yeah. He said it was too much of My Little Pony. So <sighs> I had this vibe. So we sort of uh, moved away from that. But then we realized that when you rearrange the colors of the studio here, then it's actually a rainbow. Yeah. So uh, I guess uh, I got it my way in the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess you could look at it for hashtag CSS, what's CSS codes? Could you use to create the colors? This is what Julian wants. Yeah. He wants to have decals on every wall that uh, has the CSS code, the H code of, of, of the color. Yeah. I think it's a good idea. Uh, I wasn't on board at first, but I think it's a good idea. And it could be, like, they all have names, like Deep Amethyst, uh, Crushed Pineapple, this is Neon Red. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe we could uh, write the name of the color and then the, the X code just below. Yes, <laughs> yes, and the different RGB yeah. values and... To be completely geeky. That'd be cool. 
So tell us about the journey you guys had to go through, because I, I know you've gone through a long journey to get where you are today, without any, you've actually funded yourselves all the way, and actually you, you face problems, I'm sure other guys who are listening to this podcast will, will appreciate their going through similar journeys, and like to know how they can overcome what you've overcome. Well, this is a very interesting question. Uh, there's so many angles to that. Like the first thing is the risk. Uh, it's either you work at a job uh, where you have no risk and but you're making money. You're fine. You're happy. For us, it was like we need to take a risk to make something that we like that means something to us uh, as individuals. So we we established a company and we had no idea what we were doing uh, with this, uh, again, romanticized idea of the entrepreneur life where everybody today will come to you or the Julian and, and, and they say, oh, you're an entrepreneur, you must be loaded. And we're like, well, uh-huh. that's not how it works. Like they're, you're going to, realistically, the first three years, they're going to be painful. You're going to go through many, many difficult uh, processes. Uh, if you, if, especially if you're independent like us, yeah. you don't go for funding. And you want to do everything. You want to make a mark yourself. Uh, you're gonna har- you're gonna have to work harder. We went through entire nights in the studio where we made beds out of cardboard to make sure our projects would be ready for our clients in time. Uh, so we slept in the in the studio, um, and that was necessary. It's not something I regret. I think it was a cool process. I wouldn't do it today again, but it was necessary. You need to be okay with the fact that you're not going to be working 40 hours a week you're going to be working 60 80 hours a week and your life may be impacted your personal life will be impacted your friends your family will see you less yeah. and they're not going to understand that and that's fine you because you're making something the those who will understand will support you they will be there for you and that was very important for us the ones who supported us who took our and excuse my French, my French here, we, they took our shit when we were really bad uh, at communicating our problems. And yeah. they, they were there for us. They drove us to places. They uh, helped us to understand things. They uh, offered us their time, their their shoulder to, to cry on sometimes when we, were, we went through very difficult problems. Um, so it is a matter of making sure that you're intentional in anything that you do. For us, it's being intentional. Like, uh, yes, there's risk. Uh, yes, you're going to be facing a lot of difficult moments. But as long as you're willing to go through those moments, that friction, and come out of this, then you're going to be a winner. And you can't be impatient. It, it'll take time. It'll, it won't be in the first year. It might not be in the second. It might be in the fourth. Or even, even later on, like Steve Jobs says that... Uh, if you're 25 years in business, then uh, you may not have a, like, you're doing well, you, you have time to get somewhere. It might not be in the first few years. So we're patient. So being patient, being understanding of everything that you do. And uh, also communicate a lot. I think it, there's no magic recipe. That's what we found. Yeah. There's no, like nothing that we've done comes out of a, the perfect book of the entrepreneur life or the perfect 10 guidelines of whatever you read out there. No, it comes out of, you face a situation and you need, you need to be creative, find the solution. And it might not be the, what you think it's going to be. It might be sometimes something absolutely insane um, and it just works. There is also an aspect of working in a startup where you don't necessarily need a degree in a specific area because when a task needs to be done, 
whoever will is willing to do it and is willing to learn how to do it has to take that on. Yeah. And it's something that it like it lends to that risk be because you don't know you don't have any formal training in how to do this thing, but you have this passion or dedication that it just needs to be finished as well as you possibly can and then learn from your mistakes and do it better next time. And it goes away from that comfort of sitting in a desk job, working nine to five, going home. If you hit a problem, it might take you a week to solve. In a startup, you can't waste a week on one problem because yeah. you're always putting out fires. Um, and that, for me, is the most attractive part because you're not doing the same thing every day, every month, or maybe even every year. Your role might change all the time. It's very hard to actually describe what you're doing. Um, but it also means that you have the freedom to constantly develop new skills and everybody is working towards the same goal, then anything is possible. The skills are super... Like, you, you, you can read all... There's two things I learned from what, what you're saying, is that one, uh, you learn a lot by doing. Yeah. Uh, you can read as well. Now, there's like 11,000 books every year about uh, being an entrepreneur and you can waste your time reading them all. There's all actually two or three that are good out of everything yeah. you can read. And I wasted my time reading those things, eventually finding out that it was one or two books that actually were good for you. Subjective, don't you think? I think, no, I think I'm, I would be objectively saying that you will read the same thing from book to book, and it'll be explained in a different way, but eventually there's like one or two books that really encapsulate that in a very good way. It's very well written, um, and uh, but... Everybody wants to teach entrepreneurs what they should be doing. Yeah, what is what are those two books? That's a good question. Uh, one of them uh, that I actually love is called uh, Scaling Up, and that was given to me by uh, one of our mentors. Yeah. Uh, the Rockefeller I, method, right? It's based on the Rockefeller method. Uh, how you should scale, like what is actually important, and not being. Um, if, I think that book mentions the fact that there's like t so many books out there yeah. um, it's a very good book I think it needs to be read multiple times to really absorb everything and I haven't read it enough yet um, but you need to take notes as you yeah. as mm -hmm. you it, otherwise it's like it goes through your mind and there's too much to, to, to absorb the the other thing is uh, and that uh, sort of uh, slipped out of my mind while, while you were talking this this the uh, um, idea that uh, you will learn a lot, yes, and out of all those processes that you want, you want to extract through your experience, and you need to be ready. And I don't know how to formulate that uh, very well because it's it's a process that goes. You could probably edit this, but uh, it's you learn. And you apply those learnings uh, that non, not, nobody, nobody taught you that. You, yeah. you came, you thought you would know everything, but you don't know anything. You learn as you're doing those things and as you're taking the time to make them happen. Um, you hit unique situations as well, you know, because yeah. you're kind of creating your own direction. Or the team together should be creating the direction, but you're both taking ownership for something and working with people trying to work as efficiently together as possible mm. yes yeah I think uh, I think 
what I learned really is that a lot of what we go through is about uh, it's about balance, like finding the right balance. Uh, it's about like, uh, of course there are risks, but yeah. uh, you can't be reckless. Yeah. Uh, so you need to take risks, but you can't you can't be reckless. Uh, you can't really uh, throw hours at a problem and hope that it will be solved as well. Like, yeah, sure, um, you, as an entrepreneur, you, you'll have to put in the hours more than anyone else. But, you know, you, you, can, you can put 60, go to 80, but if you go past that, it, it won't matter because yeah. you, you can't work 120 hours and just, just hoping that the problem will go away. Uh, there's also the fact that uh, things take time and uh, there, there, there's no fast-forward button. Uh, so you need to accept that it just takes time and uh, you need to be patient and uh, wait for the right moment to do things or uh, or just like be patient and do things step by step um, and I think like yeah a lot of what we've learned is about um, listening to uh, people so it can be uh, listening to people in uh, within the team but it's also listening to uh, our clients and uh, knowing like getting to know them and but also know when you have to step in and stand your ground because in uh, like at the end of the day if you are the professional and if you're the expert well you're here to 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 tell them uh, that this is my advice as a professional and I think this is how uh, you'll have the best result yeah. even though sometimes it goes against what they say yeah. you gotta believe in that and show them how you believe in that and, and sometimes they will ask you uh, proof of, the, of that of that evidence they want evidence that what you're saying is real yeah. uh, and it doesn't matter that we work for big brands sometimes you gotta prove even to smaller companies that you believe in that, and this is this is gonna work. Um, and I don't have a long, uh, beard, white beard. I don't look like a wise person yeah. that knows it all. You know, like uh, sometimes it can be difficult. I like what you said, by the way, about how you need to take the time to do the things right, uh, and not spread yourself thin. Like in terms, of if someone can take uh, something from what we've learned in terms of technology, that. Um, at first we were throwing everything on the table yeah. and then we would reassemble everything the way we could and that was a monstrous process that a lot of people will tell you just do it and then see what happens yes do it but have a minimum of methodology in how you approach that because we did that and we built stuff that looked like nothing and then eventually the client comes back and says I want to change something mm -hmm. but the way you built your entire project to, uh, technically is so broken by definition the f what you've done that you have to disassemble it and reassemble it it takes so much time so thinking about the fact that your client will come with a new idea plant a seed at first and then they'll end up with a tree with multiple branches and those branches you cannot anticipate but they'll be there so you gotta in technology you need to build something that iterative. is iterative and lego-like basically yeah. flexible yeah it's going to build it up because you want to have something that like you, you can't go and say I've got the DeLorean time machine 
I can go back and uh, fix this problem. So whenever you get a problem, you got to make sure that whenever you're developing, there's a way that it has to be uh, adapted and changed. You can do that pretty quickly. Yeah. yeah. And reassembled. Because yeah. uh, it's really handy to have something, a piece of technology that you can just reassemble uh, for maybe in other projects or for other people. Because, I mean, if, you, if you've done something really well the first time, it's not because it's another client that you have to rebuild the entire thing. I mean, if the foundations are really good, you should really uh, reuse them and, uh, and build upon uh, like the, the foundations that you have already created. And I think that's, yeah, that's, that's something at the beginning we were, we were more like, we were thinking uh, that every project should be different yeah. and that we should like handcraft everything every time we, we would pick another thing. And but at the end of the day, uh, it's just more. It's more efficient, uh, and uh, and it's more robust to just go for something that you know uh, is working well, yeah. and and that you can uh, and that you can improve slowly. So uh, yeah, I think like that's definitely the the right thing to do. You mentioned about Lego bricks. So with Lego, you can you can build it in many different ways. Yeah. So you the building blocks in place so already the DNA of the product and when each client comes along you know that they want that we'll adapt it for that client etc it's easier that's true and naming technologies here is is would be maybe a good thing um, we used we're very progressive in how we approach things uh, in our ideas technologically and also creatively and so we said you know what we want to be avant-gardists so we're going to be using pioneer technology and so we did we used something called polymer which is a library from google yeah that allows you to build components web components and yes you can build your lego bricks however there's no manual mm -hmm. so it's like it's like having pl plastic unmolded and you're going to mold it in pieces and then you're going to put those pieces together and while that might be great it's difficult to scale it's difficult to combine it with other technologies will be compatible so we looked at frameworks that exist on the market, like React, Angular, or even uh, Vue. And we decided to go for Vue because they're the cool kids. And that is different in essence because that is you have a set of bricks already existing. Mm -hmm. You just assemble them in uh, different ways. Uh, you don't have to go and buy the plastic and make your own bricks. And I think if you're a startup, you should look in this direction unless you have like a large team that can figure it out, all, figure it all out you should work on a framework where you have a community out there that will help you find the solutions. So mainly open source? Mainly open source, yeah. Yeah, yeah open source projects, are um, they're very interesting. And I think there is also, um, so like a lot of people talk about how you can, um, how you need to be different, how you need to be special when you create something, yeah. when, you, when you create a product or, or when, you, uh, when you make your, your, your own startup. And uh, and I think it is very interesting when you're in, into like tech things uh, to look at what's what's coming and what are the, the new things coming up, and uh, we've done that in the in the past. And sometimes it didn't work very well. Like for example, with the the polymer case, it wasn't the best choice. Uh, but we uh, but it it gave us um, like a first view of 
uh, of uh, creating creating web components and like web components are very uh, like they're they're super used at the moment yeah. but they weren't like used a lot two years ago yeah. but we were using them three years ago yeah. so uh, so when it became popular we were already using them and like it's the same thing for uh, for uh, progressive web apps they're they're very uh, like they're used a lot today. Mm -hmm. Uh, in the web, and uh, but it wasn't a thing two years ago, um, and and the thing is like we started uh, using our building progressive web apps two years ago. So um, so it's it's we really generated interest. Yeah. On a, sorry to interrupt, but uh, it's we generated interest uh, among communities, Google communities, mm. around this uh, instantly. I wasn't a I wasn't bought on uh, PWAs yeah. at all, uh, but it. Turns out that it just works uh, pretty well. It's a very cheap way to get uh, an app out there. Yeah. It also had to bring value to the client, though, yeah. Yeah. because while we were learning and we were becoming experts in these technologies, it was taking more time than, say, a competitor who can create such a beautiful or functioning website. But for a client, if they can do it quicker or cheaper, they were way more attractive. Yeah. One thing that we had to really, really work on together was when we acquire a new client, explaining to them that by trusting us to build their application or their website, whatever they needed, they were getting something that was so far ahead. We had to basically show them this is the future. This is what they're going to have in 2019, in 2017. And sometimes they don't even understand... Like, they're not thinking that far ahead sometimes, or they just, they are not fluent enough in technology and design to understand why it's necessary. So we got very good at using those buzzwords, like, this is not cutting edge, this is bleeding edge. Yeah. And, and that is something that definitely a marketing team, or if we got to the C-level executives in a company, they could understand the value of that. Yeah, I, I heard about a startup recently, they're not long with startup, but they were a company in America, and the, all the technology they were using was based on open source software. Mm. And suddenly they decided to go closed source. And when they did, most of the clients walked away. Because they wanted to be able to, to adapt and modify my themselves. In the future they had products, when they adapt and modify them, we can because it's open source. But when it became closed source, they couldn't do that. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, there's, there's, a, there's value to what you add to the, the community of developers and also to your clients by using something reusable yeah. um, value is the two key points that we learn over time the value of what you're doing mm -hmm. not the price uh, so as opposed to the price uh, and the value and the creativity how it could not all be technology yeah it wasn't it was that at first you and said oh we have amazing technology there let's use it and clients don't connect well with Techno despite the fact that everybody talks about technology, nobody actually knows what's in their iPhone. They like the iPhone, but they don't know what's inside the iPhone. And so our designs took off. People loved how it looked like. They didn't care if we used WordPress, Joomla, custom-made stuff. Didn't care. All they wanted was something that looked pretty and yeah. was functional. And that worked for them. And so we realized that we had to combine these two things together. The creativity, which you can be creative as a developer, and then the 
the idea of the creativity and the idea to have you have innovative technology you can surf on that innovative vibe the creators want to surf on that innovative vibe the developers as well and then the other thing is that I mentioned is the value of, of things we priced stuff by the hour at first we had like I think which we were cheap at first yeah. uh, and then we realized that what we were doing had value rather than a price tag and then we realized later on, it wasn't actually the value of what we've done, it's the, how the client perceives that. What's the value of the asking for? Yeah. And are you asking something that's going to generate 10,000 euros for you every month, an extra 10,000, 10% more, 10, 20% more? Does any, it has value for you as business. Mm. It will, you're asking something to us that will make your business better. So that means that what we do is valuable to you. And you can't get it anywhere else. So our prices were not hourly anymore. They were based on the value that we added to the company. Yeah. Um, and that could change. It could be a small project uh, that has a small number. It could be a project that had so much value that we were not scared of jumping, bumping up the price, saying that price is not much compared to the number, uh, the, 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 the revenue you're going to generate based on what we've done for you. And you need to have that honest conversation with with your client don't like you don't extract those numbers for them as easily you know yeah. you don't say oh wait a second am i gonna if i do this how much profit you're gonna be making no you, you sort of have a conversation to understand and e-commerce is a very good example where if i make a website for you um that's great why do you need this website first of all they're gonna say because it's gonna increase our sales great by how much 10%, 20%, well, what's your objective? Well, we'd like to increase our sales by 10, 20%. And what's that? 10% is uh, 100,000? So I know now, can do the calculation yeah. in my head, you're making a million every year. So out of those 10, 000, uh, 100,000, sorry, that you, you're gonna make, well, I'm gonna take 20% out of that. I think that's a fair number, 20, 30%. Yeah. So I'll charge 20K or 30K. I didn't charge you specifically on what I'm doing. I'm charging a percentage on that revenue you're going to generate. Am I guaranteed this is going to work? Well, I'm going to work hard for that. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you're going to get that number. I want you to be successful so that next year you come back to me and this time you want to make 500000 as a profit, you know, as a revenue, sorry. People love that we can offer them a custom service as well because it's not that common. And like Julian said, at first we were giving them something that was so custom to exactly their needs that it couldn't even be reused in a second project. So starting with the base that worked very well and then offering them custom features on top of it was something that we had to learn how to do. At first, it felt like we were scared to do it. It felt like we were restricting this custom option we were giving. But actually, it, it kind of allowed us to work more efficiently and we're suckers for punishment. We love to learn new things all the time. But it just doesn't work when you have to meet deadlines, you have to give people something, and you have to make sure that the scope of a project doesn't continue to inflate. And, you know, when when somebody comes to us with an idea and we say, oh yeah, that's possible, then their creative juices start flowing and they're like, hmm, I wonder what else I can get out of this team we might end up saying yes to a billion things. That's a bit of an exaggeration. But, yeah. you know, it, we love the challenge, but sometimes it's just not realistic. 
But it's true. Like, we've done that. We've made that mistake. Yeah. Mm. We spread ourselves too thin by saying yes to everybody. Because we love we love the idea of it. And, and it's actually quite fun for us. And we put the hours in. And then once we get to the finished product, we're like, wow, we made something no one else has ever made. But uh, it's not... It's not great for a business. It's not great when you're trying to make money and work it's efficiently. Not sustainable, and move yeah. on. Exactly. It's not sustainable. Yeah. It's uh, every startup yeah. falls into it, though. I think you know when they're really, really passionate at the beginning, they've loads of energy, and they're like, "Let's make something cool all the time." Yeah, learn yeah. to say no. To yeah. yeah. So if you learn to say no, but then you can actually focus on on uh, what the client wants. Exactly. What matters? What yeah. Yeah, and you can tell them, actually, this isn't possible, and uh, so. And 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 I said maybe in five years time it could be possible, but right now we will want to get to a state where you've got a product that works now, and when when you come to revisit in a few years time, we can then add that on because it'll be feasible then to do it. Definitely, because something we like to say is sure it can become possible yeah. if you give us lots of time and the money to put in the research and development that we need to do. Yeah. You know, and yeah. that's when the clients are like, oh, never mind, we're fine with what you you can give us. Yeah. That's that's okay. You know, ideas cost money. Yeah, it's actually harder to uh, to try to uh, to um, get the client to understand uh, that some of the technologies that we have are relevant and that should then that they should go for them because sometimes the what's the hardest part is to to get them to understand that what we are offering uh, and all these these features that seem um, futuristic and maybe not needed will be the standard in a few years. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, it's it's really hard to actually sell features that will be the standards in the future. <laughs> and I, I feel like we're pre- portraying our clients like they're hard shells to break, you know. But uh, it, those conversations we also have internally, where someone will come up with an idea. And the others are like, oh, but that's really hard to do. Or uh, we should add animation to this. And then someone will say, well, I'm not an animator. I can't do this, you know. And we're like, well, but we've we got to do that. This is going to be cool. And we just try to, we, we push the boundaries of what we can do to really be there and, uh, and, and have something that is pleasant. So I think it's a conversation where we break the ice internally as well. Yeah. Where, you know, we, we go beyond... Uh, into that creativity uh, that we bring to the clients. And yes, for a sort of you're more than saying to them that basically think of five years time and not now. Yeah, mm. that's a difficult thing to do because I can't name the companies, but they're like large brands who have asked uh, the future, as you mentioned. And we're very excited. We're like, okay, the future means we're going to be using IO technology, input output, which is very modern, uh, HTTPS2, or maybe. Uh, web sockets, which uh, real time databases, all of that cool stuff, you know, uh, and we present them that, and they say, well, no, actually, we're going to be use, we want to use PHP. We're familiar with that. Yeah. That's what we had for five years. We want to continue to use that, but fig- you have to find a way to make it look like it's the future. That it works with modern technologies. Yeah. So you're in this uh, transition phase where some companies understand the future, they want it, but they don't want to abandon the past uh, they, they still want to use it you got to find a creative way to make that work so that it fits to the visuals as well and you can be as creative as you want with those technologies that were not made for that originally uh, you've got a lot of examples out there of companies that are trying to 
have a really complex stack of technology to just make it happen. Uh, then you have companies that are completely progressive, and we're trying to go in this direction where we would encourage the client to forget about those technologies, to tell them we can transition into something more modern that is very responsive for your audience, mm -hmm. is very good for you, very simple, that we just, with no need for a steam machine, we go and focus on what you really need and make it obviously uh, every feature has a meaning. You don't have a buttons on our on our internal pro um, uh, platforms, or the ones that we give to the clients, whether it is a CRM that we make or a CMS. Well, only the buttons you need are there. There's no fancy button in case one day you need it. If one day you need it, we'll make it for you, and that will cost you a little bit, but it will be tailored yeah. to what you need. And I think that's important. I got to see websites where you go and this button is there that shouldn't be there. Yeah. And then you go, oh yeah, that's, that's there for decorative purposes. But, but actually, why? If, if, it can't, if it can't be used, it shouldn't be there. Exactly. Or what's worse, you need an entire engineer for the client just to make one small modification to the content because yeah. it's so... There's just too many options there. Too many things you can mess with. It's like being at a control board and you need an engineer to turn off a light switch. Yeah. You need to know who you, yeah, you need to know who you talk to. Is it a power user who's gonna use all your features? Or someone who works in a company and has another role like their marketing person or their uh, someone who creates content and all they need is to put text, images, push that live. Mm -hmm. And they need to put their images somewhere and they need they, they need a bunch of features, standard features, mm -hmm. and they need to be there. And that's that's it. You know, like they don't a lot of people use Medium today. They don't even use a back-end mm -hmm. where it's um, it's just Medium. You connect, you put your text. It's all made to be simple. And I think that's the future of users, yeah. not power users. And there's also the package we offer. So we can create just a website for our clients. We can also localize that website and translate into the languages they need. We can also help them develop their social media around their brand to sort out a brand book and the design. That's so important when they're, especially if they're beginning or we've had established brands who come to us and say, the people who know us know us, but how do we get into a new audience and how do we promote ourselves overseas? Or we have the Irish market and that's fine, but we need to expand because we've been established for 10 years. And these are all tips and tricks and things that we are very, very happy to give to our, our clients because we've been learning them for the last four years and we've accidentally picked up expertise in these areas and because we're all so immersed in the tech world and so immersed in social media and we do all of this brand management for our own company, it just makes sense that we offer it as a complete package, not just a website, but also how to how to harness the power of that website to get your product out there to promote your team and um, reach the people that you're meant to reach. Yeah. yeah. For me, I've in the past, if you've suddenly done a website, you get a scenario where, where the person who designed it has left and then you don't know the, the colour scheme, CSS code yeah. for something. I've had it in the past. And I've well, what, what, what was it? And the person who left didn't need to be that. Or they, they, they developed the code for the website and then they uh, some scenario they got, they got angry with you or something happened and then they left the company and then they took with them the code so they couldn't leave. 
it's a, it's wow. a totally bad practice. Like it, it, if you're working as a designer for a client, you shouldn't keep. They shouldn't keep needing you. At some point, your client should become kind of self sufficient. Yeah. The same with the technology. We're creating something totally custom. So if for some reason they couldn't contact us, we have to make sure that they are able to use it exactly how they need it. We offer them the documentation. We offer them team-to-team training that shows them, this is what we've built for you. This is how it works. And just make sure their life is easier. The design part is something that nobody in the team is an actual designer. Uh I do most of the designs and I'm, I define myself as someone who happens to make design because it's necessary yeah. for what we do. But as we move forward, uh, there's this idea that it should be integrated very early on. It's, 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 you've got all this idea of ideation, conceptualization, and UX, UI, and then you create uh, mock-ups and prototypes, and eventually the developers get it and, and then they integrate all of that implementation phase. But um, we never worked this way. So we worked, we worked in a, in a way, and I think other companies would benefit from having the development integrated straight away in the conversation with design and design getting to know what's going on in, in technology. Because our designs, surprisingly, got a lot of attention. Yeah. People loved it, and we made it a, a thing. So some of our clients are just design-based, they just want design, print design, digital design, infographics, they want that, or interfaces, um, UX design, product design, uh, which is very close to UX. And um, that made us very, very, um, I guess, marketable, because good, cool things to show. People respond to visual things, and if they work well behind, it's even better. So we started helping a lot on the visual. And it became where at first technology was our main source of revenue. It ended up being that design, everything that is designed became even more uh, attractive or revenue. Like we split it in a certain way, we yeah. could see what brings more revenue than the other. Uh, and the combination of them together. And we, we realized that design had a very big importance and then we combined it all as one thing. Uh, you can get uh, and for that to happen you need designers that are willing to understand technology a little bit at least you know and developers that are willing to understand design so that you know what you're talking about what you can make and uh, if you know you can make crazy designs and the developer just doesn't understand the implementation at all they're like you didn't give me all the codes all the I don't have all the sizes I don't have all of this and in, in a structure like us we may not have the time sometimes to build design systems. So it's a conversation, a hot potato conversation where, hey, here's a design and I hand over the files to Julian and Julian integrates them and he works with it. And if there's a problem, then it com- comes back to me very quickly and we solve that situation. I don't send him a new file with a new mock-up or artboard so that he understands perfectly that i just go and sit down next to him and we solve that very quickly in a conversation clearly it's communication yes if you can't communicate together in a company then and then you're not going to go far because that that determines how well you can you can exist yeah yeah, yeah. And it can even be difficult in a small team though yeah. you know like uh, there are days when we are so deep in production everybody has their headsets on they're listening to their own music like julian could be listening to something nice and calm 
Tony might be listening to some seriously intense rock. Yeah. And, or, you know, sometimes we are all listening to a podcast that's live in the studio that we're all at least listening to the same thing. We can have the conversation. We're not interrupting anybody. But you think when three people are sitting pretty much right beside each other, there would not be communication issues, but it's something that we're always working on. Uh, and not just um, not just to actually talk to each other, but to talk in the right way that everybody's on the same page and that everybody's understanding, like, if we're working on tasks that are dependent on each other and someone gets delayed, why did they get delayed? Um, when we have meetings and we work in a place where a lot of our clients can actually come to our studio, if they call in, in the middle of the day, uh, not only do we need to communicate between each other, we need to say to them, like, this is not a good time. Or come back in an hour after we finish what we're currently working on and just try and be open with everybody and <laughs> make sure that everyone's this, on the yeah, same Yeah, this page. is the rule, but, like, we like we do it so rarely. Like, we're so friendly and welcoming that we, we try to be a bit more like, oh, no, uh, you know, we're busy right now, can you come later? And it's very rare that we actually do that. We take, yeah. like, a a coffee or something and then we like the chat we like to understand yeah. what people um, and then you know we talk about music and how you you listen to nice music and I listen to rock but I see your head bobbing sometimes at the desk and I have yeah. no idea what you listen to <laughs> yeah I actually don't listen to any music at all I'm just listening to your conversations and pretending <laughs> I've got headphones on it's more entertaining I do that too so yeah. <laughs> I'm pretending I have the headset and I'm like oh what what is it talking about and they try to solve something and I'm like and I oh this is my time. You know, I find music can help because when you've got music playing background, it motivates you as well. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It keep, yeah it gives you like a, depending on what you play, it, yeah. it helps a lot. Yeah. It's like, uh, sometimes it, we break into song in the office. Does that motivate you, Julian? If I'm singing. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Of course, you know, um, it can be. Uh, yeah, it can, it can be live music too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Julian goes. Like, if I sing something s- stupid. Uh, because I will, like, if you're tired and yeah. you say insane things in the office. And I can hear Julian, like, giggling at his desk because what I'm saying is absolutely ins- insane. Yeah. Uh, and he, it, it makes him giggle. We also put music, like, like here. It's, I wonder if our neighbors yeah. can hear our... We have a very geek pop culture vibe, which we try to tone down a yeah. little bit, but uh, <laughs> um, we're going to try to make it more black box studio geek vibe. But um, there's, there's this always dynamic here in the studio where we we try to be a we try to have like music we try to have like a something that makes us feel uh, uh at home yeah i think our neighbors think we're the cool kids because they always walk by they look in particularly to this room that looks like a clown vomited on it it's every color <laughs> and i see like all of our we have gaming merchandise everywhere and usually it's the first thing they say if a new person comes to our office to say oh wow i didn't expect it to be so colorful why do you have like a super mario block on your desk (laughs) what does that do it makes a noise dress to impress and we done that and you know what happened we got uh politicians yeah uh, that came here like the ambassadors of of the netherlands that came to visit because we had a cool office we had uh, Mary Michelle O'Connor, uh, Hildegard Norton. Yeah. They came here to visit, to see, because our general manager of the Galway Technology Center uh, thinks it's cool. It shows that there is technology, creativity, all that in, in, in this place. And so they bring them here, so we show a little bit. The only thing I'm not happy about is the carpet that we want to change, but the rest <laughs> is cool. Um, and that's with a tiny budget, because we didn't want to spend, obviously, 
tons of budget into this. We want to put it in the machines that we use and and the softwares and uh, so with a reasonable budget, we were able to do something that was cool. And so I, I would encourage any company that starts to create a space where they feel comfortable in. Yeah, mm. has to be a good vibe as well. Yeah. You walk into a room, you gotta feel warmth and love. And love. Yeah. Mm. And you have to have a comfy couch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very important. Unless it's like a some sort of client meeting that needs to be short, then you can put them on a less comfy couch. Yeah, <laughs> this is the less yeah uh, comfy couch, and this is like the really awesome one that we keep for like guests. Yeah. Um, we got that one. That one is cheaper than this one because we got that one going on two deals, and then we're trying to find a good deal. And that it was a family in in the nowhere land. I can't even remember where it was. Where we went with a, um, a van to pick it up, uh, and it was in perfect condition, uh, except like they had like cats and dogs that uh, yeah. played on it. But it was like all perfect for like eighty euros, I think, and then we got it here, and it was perfect. And this one was like a hundred forty euros, and it's not as comfortable. It looked good on the magazine, <laughs> but not not as comfortable. It's cool though because it it connects with the colors that we we have in the studio. Yeah, I guess you gotta. If you walk into a, like I've been to companies who walk in the room, and they got a they got a they got a bar, free bar, mm. and you can go and drink. And I'm thinking, that's nice, but why should somebody be drinking when they're working? It's gonna be a time and place. We, oh, I gotta okay. say, it unlocks the creative juices. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, wait, like that. Uh, that is, we've got like a few uh, drinks here. Yeah. <laughs> That was given to us by our clients. We yeah. never bought any sort of yeah. alcohol or anything like that. Generally, it's coffee here. Yeah, coffee. Yeah. I love coffee. We bought that coffee machine. I think it's the best purchase ever. Um, Definitely. Oh, yeah, that, that's, that's, uh, that's the, top, uh, the top, top tip for startups. Yeah, yeah just, just buy a coffee machine. B- buy your fuel. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 uh, the, the alcohol, like the beers that we got. Uh, They're more decorative. The, we don't drink them. Yeah. So sometimes like a... I don't know. People think that because we have this cool geek vibe, uh, nerdy or I don't know pop culture, that you know a good beer, you know, and I guess maybe it's cultural as well. We're in Ireland, and there's a, uh, it's a good way to communicate your your appreciation to offer yeah, a good yeah. drink. Uh, yeah. And we're very thankful that they do that because uh, I say we haven't drank them, but some of them have disappeared, and uh, obviously we drank them. <laughs> yeah. So well, after work, right? Yeah, after work. After work, uh, w- w- whenever that is. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I just thought like idea you go into company, and you they said you can drink whenever you want, and people do this. Well, that's me. Is 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 it? In, it's something that I I don't I don't totally agree with because I mean yeah. it should be there, but only in certain hours. Yeah, mm. we well, had that at Bioware. Yeah, where uh, our boss Greg, uh, the general manager. Uh, he every Friday at the back of the building with some of the producers and some of the high management uh, we they had uh, this Friday beer at the end of the day yeah. everybody brought like a sort of a craft beer one though right and then we try those things you know and incidentally after he left Bioware he made his own company about craft beer so uh, which company is that um, I can't remember the name I'll give it to you but it's uh, he goes around the country yeah. and he tries beers and stuff like that and comments how good they are and stuff and he's he's so cool yeah because there's a craft beer company uh, called Methman Breweries have you heard of them? Methman Breweries that rings a bell but they're I from Waterford okay and the two founders we used to be in tech okay oh, yeah. and they left they left tech to start doing this mini this brewery and whenever I go to a tech launch or, or something else 
they supply the beer. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's true. So, <laughs> so they're still staying in the tech area in a certain way. So I think I was, I was in the, I was in the event two, two, two weeks ago. Uh, Peer Company was launching and we shook some of the clients. And Metalman, growing from Metalman Weirs, was there. goes, oh, how are you doing? Well, long, long, long time now, see. The last time I saw you was, I was at a, a, a launch product, product called uh, Engager. And right. you were supplying the drink. So goes, oh, yeah, I remember that. So they, they, they do a lot, a lot of that. A lot of the uh, Sada community now has their beer in, in, in their fridges. That would be, uh, oh, the fridge. Yeah. You're mentioning a fridge here. Uh, this is June's number one request. Yeah. yeah. Never fulfilled. To have a mini fridge in the office, but yeah, yeah like, we might never leave if we had a mini fridge. I, I feel like that's the worry. At least the coffee runs out, someone has to go and reorder it. Yeah. But uh, she's right, we force ourselves to leave this building. Yesterday, yeah. we stayed until really late, which we try to avoid yeah. as much as we can because uh, what we learned that like, you know, I mentioned earlier that you have to be willing to put many, many hours in what you're doing. But you need to take breaks to avoid burnout. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's inevitable that you will burn out. There's a moment that you, you, you'll burn out. And you need a life outside of your company because it's what keeps you focused. Either you're trying to finish all of your work so that you can go enjoy your weekend or you're out doing your life and buying your groceries and getting everything set up so that you don't have to think yeah. about it when you're at work. It refuels, it refuels, you know, like uh, for me at least, it refuels creativity. Like sometimes people tell me, well, you're on the creative side of things, so you can make drawings, illustrations, design like that. It looks so easy. Like a snap of a finger and the design appears. And I tell them, it's because it's there that it feels, you know, yeah. it gives this feeling that it's instantaneous, you know. But then, no, like you, you got to be sitting in front of your desk for 40 hours. Nothing comes out in the first 38 hours. Yeah. In the last two hours, you make it all. Because it's and that's where I think there's the power of procrastination. You're in the shower thinking about something, and you're like, "Oh, how would I design this?" And it's not like you're not actually yeah. working. You're working in your head. Uh, it's not because you haven't produced anything that you, people can physically touch. That it's not in the process of creation. It's the R and D phase. It's the R and D yeah. phase in the shower, yeah. Uh, and you sit down at your desk and you're like, "Okay, you got this idea after thirty eight hours working on you know all of that in your head." Yeah. And boom, it's out there. But it, it is not that easy. It doesn't no. come naturally. If you burn out, if you're tired, nothing comes out of you. I've had times when I've been writing a story and they just nothing's coming out and I'm, I'm sitting there. So I'll walk away and come back next day. It's great. Oh, times where I've written a story and I can't stop writing. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking I've written so much. What do I do? Yes. I guarantee you got that as well. Yes, yes. Uh, you you want to make something like nice like a, like she was talking about yeah. branding and we want to make a nice logo for a company and then the first logo is I could show them to you they look terrible like and and I'm thinking I'm going nowhere there and you you gotta accept that you gotta leave your desk go home have a good night's sleep yeah. watch a movie do whatever and then come back in the morning and then suddenly in the next two hours something really great comes out and then you're more than productive. You make one, two, three, four, yeah. ten versions of that logo. And you can bounce ideas with everybody in the team even if, like I said, they, they have no experience or expertise there. At least when there is a bit of communication around, hey, I'm, I'm hitting this problem. Can you just sit there and listen for a while? And sometimes we actually do kind of not just get past that barrier, but come up with an even better idea just by talking about it. And, you know, like never stopping an, a stupid idea too quickly because yeah. it might seem silly at the beginning, but it's very fun to just like run with a crazy idea, see how far you get in the ideation project process and 
that that's all it is, just getting your brain. So everyone in the RD is a psychiatrist, and you're other people <laughs> sit on the couch. Yes. And you're basically saying, I've got a problem here, and then tell me a problem, when did the start from you? Yeah. We do yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> we generally do that. A psychiatrist that. or a rubber duck. Yeah. Both do the same thing. I think, I think Julian is the one that unfortunately has the worst part of all of this because he listens it, too well he's at the very end of the process in the implementation phase where he gets uh he can get the clients or the team complaining about something uh, which is very unfair <laughs> and um sometimes we need to take some time to like sit down talk about what's the problem what's, what's yeah. going on you know and and we had sessions where we were lying on the couch uh, and thinking about uh, Okay, how can we do this? You know, and then he, he asks questions, and we I ask questions, you ask questions, and we get there eventually. But there's the session of a uh, sort of a. It's very easy to finger to to point fingers at someone and say you're not doing your job well. And honestly, we do it like everybody else. Uh, but you got to pick up uh, that uh, bad habit as quickly as you can to sort of uh, contribute to the entire thing and and try to be positive, not positive, but constructive because I think you can't always be positive you can be constructive by not being positive you're just constructive uh, that can be difficult um, make sure whatever you say you don't hurt them yeah so you gotta and also get back to music I mean obviously for me when I'm doing something I always find that music is one thing that motivates me and gets me going so what artists would motivate, motivate each of you if you're doing music if you're working if uh, other than music yeah what, no artists what artists motivate you musical you artists to. like Oh wow! Um, Go for a lot of soundtracks. Then. So I yeah I listen to all personally I listen to soundtracks that like Starcraft and stuff like that where you know you got to build stuff or Daft Punk sometimes yeah. helps me to have this uh, vibe of I'm I'm in something that is going on yeah. and, and when I'm really upset at something that was said in the office I go into like a heavy metal or rock like Disturbed and Metallica. Uh, when I want to be cool, mm. the cool kid, I listen to punk music like The Offspring or uh, Pro Jam for grunge music or, or Nirvana or yeah. those things. So that 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 influences influences me a lot. And uh, when I want to be um, like I want to be like the old guy that goes like, oh, the eighties were be- better, so I listen to eighties music. Yeah. And that I put it live for everybody. What about you, Julian? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, my taste in music is is. So all over the place, really. Yeah. Uh, like sometimes, sometimes I I listen to like classical music. Uh, yeah. I I like piano pieces, so I I, I listen to that. Uh, but some of the time I listen to rap music. Yeah. And some of the times I I will listen to a uh, electro maybe yeah. Daft Punk. I I, I cannot I believe you listen to like rap. It's so. <laughs> it's just yeah. I I love really uh, a lot of different things and like yeah, electro is is really nice, um and and yeah sometimes like uh, rock so it can be modern rock or uh, or more like kind of old school uh, yeah. rock, and uh, any 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 name of modern rock that you like. Modern rock. I really like I really like um, so I like certain indie stuff uh, yeah. these days just because like I don't know I, I really like uh, indie bands like modern indie indie bands more than uh, more than the, the big ones yeah. really uh, so I tend to like for example uh, like I I really like um, uh, maybe uh, uh, groups like uh, like 
daughter in uh, progressive rock or uh, or uh, maybe um, like um, Hiroshima as well uh, yeah. in uh, I, I don't know them so yeah. you're looking at me <laughs> I know them I've heard of them it's, it's yeah. great uh, progressive rock or new rock kind of uh, and yeah a lot of the, a lot of that so uh, so yeah it kind of it depends on my mood sometimes uh, but yeah I most of the time I would say something something that has a, a rhythm because that, I think mm-hmm. that's what helps it's it's the rhythm and the the beat uh, that, okay yeah, yeah that's really helping me yeah I listen to so much dance music yeah <laughs> like I listened to so much Spanish music at some point that I started understanding the words that's yeah. good no it was no good because then I was getting distracted by the lyrics but yeah, sometimes I, if I'm really engrossed in my work and I'm listening to something with a funky beat, I'll realize that I'm kind of dancing in my chair. But luckily the boys don't notice. Yeah, so, yeah it's it's the rhythm. Like, yeah. It helps a lot if it's in a language I don't understand because at least it's not distracting me. But um, it could be anything with a good beat. Me yeah. rock music has got this kind of driving beat by the drums, yeah. Mm. And I'm thinking to that song, I listen to something like maybe Iron Maiden Metallica. Oh yeah. That motivates me because I'm hearing this this drum being in his powerful vocals and that kind of yeah it, it entertains me bringing it to, to a new level or well, wouldn't it be really uh, go somewhere else prog rock yeah okay and yeah, that prog. takes me to a place I've been before mm. yeah, yeah because yeah. it's it, it, a lot of it all these those are all concept pieces yeah so you, you're going you're making it somewhere else when you're writing a story you want to be you, you don't want to be where you're writing you want to be somewhere else rather than in my apartment or wherever I am writing I want to be somewhere else right doing that so, for for the other one, Metallica, like you mentioned, uh, James Hetfield has this sort of voice that makes you want to like uh, do, do things that do better. And then there's Kirk Hammett's solo, and you're like, okay, I'm on, I'm, I'm on a, I'm on a roll here, you know. Like yeah. there's the solo, and then you're doing this thing and um, design, where you're doing your, for me, like putting elements together, and I feel like I'm building something super quickly with the solo, and I'm like, I gotta keep the rhythm, as you said. Yeah. Sometimes we, you know, we use the. Um, speakers and I would be more, most of the time it'd be me putting music for everybody and I know Julian has a particular dislike for The Devil Went Down to Georgia uh, great song it it's is been awesome yeah. too often in the studio <laughs> like, way yeah. too often it upsets you <laughs> so, sometimes yeah uh, things that are too uh, too aggressive or too fast I just a bit too much for me. Like yeah, June, June. Every time I ask him, like sometimes he will put the music. Yeah, and then I say, yeah, choose the track, and he puts this uh, studio Ghibli music, piano piece. Yeah, you can type to that rhythm. You can't type awesome. to Devil yeah. and Georgia. Yeah. Studio Ghibli stuff is 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 brilliant. Yeah, but so it makes me sleep. Like I'm or, like, uh, or jazz as well. Jazz, jazz is really good. Yeah. Jazz is fantastic. Like yeah. jazz or vintage jazz. Yeah, it depends yeah. on like sometimes I'll, I'll be playing Miles Davis in the background doing some stuff. Nice. nice. And that's kind of especially in the, in the summertime when we heard that it, it suits that. And I'm playing like really really old school in the 50s Miles Davis, and we're playing that in the background when I'm doing some work. I want to be chilled out and relaxed. And I'm, I'm doing some work and I realise I've got all day to do it and I'm not in a rush. I'll play oh, that. Okay. But if I, if I need something like that and it has to be done within a bit now, I'll, I'll play something more aggressive and, and rocky because yeah. it's going to wonder if you get this done another way. But I tend to choose these really, really long rock songs. That's like 15 minutes long. Like Iron Maiden might do a very, very long song and I'm playing that in the background and I'm doing it. And it's going to motivate me. Yeah. Yeah. 
But there's something like fantastic about like uh, maybe uh, long pieces or, or or things that are going kind of all over the place when yeah. you're when you're listening to them. Like for example, uh, like for example, jazz or or maybe a certain like progressive uh, rock yeah. stuff uh, that kind of drags on forever and going everywhere. Uh, it's like there's something special about it because even if when you listen to it um, on your own and you focus on it you can't really get where it's going yeah but when you're working and kind of listening to it in the background it kind of makes sense in a way like and yeah it's a good type indicator as well you know how many songs you've listened oh, to yeah. uh, and then you're like oh it's the end of the album it's been 17 minutes already them designing this <laughs> thing i've got another pop rock one album by banco yes and uh, it's only got six songs and it's two hours long Oh wow! And and the six songs divided into like five parts per song. So you yeah. have like one song and it's got part one, part two, part three, part five, then song two. So I know what happens then is some of your songs drag on together. So when you put play together, it all drags on. So you, you don't have any like I've got an album by bands called New York and Soul. Have okay. you heard of the, heard of, heard of them? Heard and it's an album that uh, what it does is it's it it progresses it charts a, a, a night out. Okay. So it starts off with a song and it gets very slow and mellow. And it's got the first song is called Dark um, and the Black Goat of the Sun. Okay. And it gets no 70 song done by Moon Roots and gets louder and then it starts going going it starts going really really fast and jumping. And then next bit it goes in and each song on the album is linked together. So when mm -hmm. you stop something or something else. And then it goes from that it goes into Latin jazz and salsa. Mm -hmm. And then you have something like George Benson or, or Roy Ayers doing some scat to play in the background. And all these songs come together. So you start off with Really slow, uh, mellow beginning, and then it gets faster, and you're jumping up. Then you're in a you're in a nightclub, and everything is jumping, and you're all enjoying this kind of music. And then it realizes middle of the, middle of the night, you want to get into the bar for a drink and quiet down, so it calms down a bit again. Then it goes a bit faster, and then at the end of the night, everything's going mellow again. Oh. And the album is. So it's a trip. Uh, well, a trip. It's a the journey. So, yeah. yeah. It's a the guy do also called Masters of Work. They're they're from they're two guys from uh, I think it's from Florida. Okay. But all it is is just basically this is one album under this new York and so. But all the album is is like charting a, a journey of a night out, how it starts and starts off mellow and gets progressive and goes down again. And it is one of the best albums you're going to hear now. Now and again, if I'm doing some work and I know it basically I want to enjoy myself and I have a ride, I'll play that in the background. Okay. Because it, it will get me to a place I want to be and I'll, I'll be smiling. Yeah. And also because the mood always changes on the album, mm. which is great. It's not always the same tempo. Right, right, yeah. yeah. You kind of go in, and for me, when I when someone's when I'm working on a project, at times I want to be able to change my mood and do this and do that, and then I know that at times I'm sitting there, I'm going to take a break for a few minutes, and I'm taking a break. Music in the background is is, is with me, is yes. telling me time for a break. So I go and get something to drink or something or a snack, then go back and do more work. But it's bringing me on this journey as well. That's a very interesting way to like regulate the work, basically. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. you're gonna have at times. If you decide you're gonna play rocking, it's always like playing now with the same artist. After a while, it can get boring. So you want to make sure well, with this album it doesn't because it's always the tempo and style always changes. Yeah. So it's one of those things I can highly recommend. Now some like that, some like that, and when you're doing work, music is is always always a motivator and also it cheers you up. Whenever you whenever you feel inside depressed, yeah. You put on your favorite song and it'll bring you back to when you have good times. It helps. Yeah. Um, it's. Um great emotional connector like we're all musicians here by yeah. the way like uh, we all play music uh, 
you have violinist and, and other instruments uh, play piano, guitar, and, and bass. So whenever yeah. I play guitar, yeah. uh, you sing. Um, and I've been like playing in town. Like uh, I don't know if we, you played in orchestras. I played uh, in bands and stuff. But uh, in town in Galway, I've been. Yeah. I, I was playing four days, uh, four nights a, a week, uh, for like a year, year and a half, and I had to stop because it was like. It's great, but it's a uh, it's a lot. But yeah. I love it. It's great. But that creativity is good because if you create it in one area, it be, it means in other areas you're gonna be creative as well. Yeah, yeah. You get creative juice. Like I know that when I'm doing stuff right now, I know that I can. I, I'm I'm good at writing. Then podcasting came from that, and then other things I can do as well. And also, once we could do a radio show in America where I I'm a disc jockey and me and Fred co-host and we just play music. Right. And I play songs I want to play, and I always have a theme. So it could be a theme. Like last week, our theme was drummers. My favorite drummers. Okay. So I just think, okay, so I decided, okay, who do I like? So I did the police, some of their drums, and then went to Blondie because I like Clem Burke. Then Iron Maiden because I like Nicky McBrain, so that's great. And I, and I have to play uh, uh, Hallow Be the Name because that's just a great song. Okay. So got to do that because it's, yeah, it's, a, it's a great song. Again, you got this kind of bell when you're bringing the drum and all that. Yeah, great. And then you got other drummers that people might know. So this guy's a good drummer. So I've got to put him in. What about a. Uh, uh Blink Blink one eighty two. Uh, oh, Travis drum, Barker. Yeah, yeah, he's awesome. He's good, but um, I never was a fan of their music as such. Okay. So I'm thinking, I'm, I'm thinking, people that probably have some like John Bonham. Yeah. Who, okay. And also, I uh, also had a someone like also another drummer I had was uh, Keith Moon from from the Who. Mm-hmm. Okay. I know, but I, I tried to show his melody as well because people think always oh, best for Keith Moon as well. So and also I had a. Each artist had one song that was live in, 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 in concert. Right. That's how I know how good they are. Because sometimes when you're in the studio, you can do tricks. But when you're live, you can't do that. No, yeah. Correct. And the same with like when you're presenting, when you're doing presenting a, pro- a product or something else, doing it here before to front of us here is, is great. But it's kind of you at live. Yeah, no. And no. when you when you when you're starting for anything else, it's always stuff you show. That looks great, and them looks great, but. I want to see it live. How is it going to work live? Or can it work live? Or what game can we do? Like I've seen demos of, of video of, of video games. Yeah. And it always says on it, not of, of of gameplay. So all, yeah. all you're seeing is basically someone's done an animation for a video game. And when you go to play the game, what you've seen isn't what's going to be in the game. Oh, yeah. It's a cutscene. I'm thinking. So that has happened. It's a technical demos. Yeah. That yeah, and then yeah. you're buying you're buying a product based on that cutscene or technical demo. And then when you go through real life and look at it, it's not the same. It's not weird. It's not the same. Yeah. I've seen games like that. Uh, well, there was a recent game by, and I'm a bit sad that happened to Bioware because for me it's like a family. You know, yeah. I love this company, and they released a game called Anthem. Yeah. And the E3 content. They're not the only ones who have yeah. done that, but E3 is it's, it's that one that comes to mind because of this emotional attachment to the company. And they released uh, this promotional video, and it looks all fantastic. Yeah. There's like mm, tons of characters, animation stuff, and the texture, lighting is all f- awesome. And then the game was just, I guess, dumbed down to the more simpler, simpler graphics uh, that would work on consoles. Mm. Uh, and that is really sad. I think the game, the engine, can actually achieve that. If you were not limited by the, te- the technology that yeah. you have in your consoles, yeah. but that is just um, a technical showcase of what your engine can do. It's not what you're gonna get as a as yeah. a player. Mm. I saw one years ago, a few years ago, an ad for Bioshock Three. Yes. And the ad for that looked great, and then uh, and I heard him playing the breakfast music. It's great. 
And then when they got the game, it was more or less the, the advertiser, it was more, more as it was said, and the and music was playing playing in the game, on the advert, I heard in the game. And some bits of it were over-exaggerated, but it was still a great game, and I really love what it did. Yeah. And if you other games that don't do that at all, you, you're buying expecting something, and it doesn't happen. And it's not that, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the same, yeah, no, you're right. Uh, and uh, that is a, that's a good point that we can apply for us as well. Yeah. Because in everything that we do, um, like we never sell something that we never advertise something uh, very fluffy, and then what we give is not as fluffy as what we yeah. want. Like I feel like if we do that, we're like sort of lying to our, our clients. And we don't even have the time to make those really uh, uh, like really fancy fake demos. You know, like <laughs> yeah. we show them what we've done before, and we're yeah. like, this is what we can also do, and try and give them examples of our work and. That's, I guess, more tangible, and we can give them client testimonials if that's what they're interested in. Yeah. But really, they wanna they wanna see something that's live, something that we've built, and then they're like, oh, actually, that's that's great. Yeah, because uh, one thing I don't like is when someone says to you, "Oh, we can do this for you," yeah. and he goes, "How long will it take?" And then they're not they're not sure because they say they don't know what happened really. Where you guys have done it before and you know what it takes, you can tell them roughly it'll take X amount of days or or months to do this. And even when we do that. Yeah. Originally, originally our agreements with our, you know, we give an agreement yeah. when we work on anything, uh, so that you, you've got legal yeah. grants to own your stuff and everything intellectual property. In their agreement originally, uh, we said, "Oh yeah, we'll deliver on that day." Mm. And well, uh, we have delivered on those days, but it was nightmare land because the the week prior that day, there were so many things to do. Yeah. that we didn't sleep or anything. So now what we say, and this is something we learned, the nature of the work that we do is fluctuates in yeah. terms of how things can change. Uh, can You can hit the wall sometimes. There can be dependencies on a client or on someone else. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've seen that. But like, I know I've got clients that I write stuff for, for our blogs, and at times I, I, I give them a deadline. Yeah. And what I've done is I give them a deadline, and I, I might say, for example, just as a... I give you a certain day, but I don't say what time of the day. Yeah, yeah. Because just in case I know that for a fact that if I said to him it'll be uh, on Friday. Yeah, yeah. I won't say what time of Friday because uh, in some cases if something else comes up, I could be late and then so I'll say you'll get it Friday. And uh, and they've got it Friday, but it could be six o'clock and the two o'clock. Yeah, um, but it's important to understand that for yeah. for your client, for your audience, for whoever's working with you, that this is gonna slide by one, two, two weeks maybe. It could happen, you know, you could be early, which would be an ideal scenario, yeah. but most of the time, if that, if there's room for, for you to sort of work the last things, you need to give yourself that room so the client doesn't, you don't raise expectations wrongly. Yeah. And we call that a release candidate, like uh, other companies, we have a release candidate, which is something we show to the client, yeah. and they agree or not, if that's good, we tweak it. We, and that means that the actual uh, live production, uh, when we push something live yeah. for the client, is actually not the release candidate. Yeah. It could be if, we don't, if we've done like a perfect job, yeah. but we give more time for the, for the live, uh, yeah. when we push it live. So. The other thing about this is though, you need to be honest and open with the client and involve them all the time during production. Just so that, you know, if you say, okay, we understand what you need. We'll come back to you in three months with the finished product. They have three months of radio silence. They're going to 
feel totally nervous that you've just taken their money and run away that you're not working on the same thing or that you're going to come back in three months with something totally different to what they expected so like we always have regular updates with our clients we send them uh like pretty regular reports of so this is what stage it's at this is what's left to do if we can show them even like screenshots and short videos of how the design is working even that just gives them an idea of we're not pretending it's taking three months but we're only going to work on it in the last two weeks you know this is a constant process and then we get their feedback as well so if we're going in the wrong direction they could say oh wait that's not what i expected yeah the expectations are lower yeah we provide something quicker. or the worst thing is when you're with a client and they want you to do one thing and you agree with everything that they've said and because during the process they said, well, once you do this first, X, Y, and Z, and you said, fine, do that, and you've had no talks between, in between that time, and when you give to them, they're going, no, that's not what I wanted. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it goes, well, he, well actually, this is what you told me. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but we changed our mind. Now, if they, if you did, during the process you said you do, you talk to them, tell them what's happening, they can then tell you, oh, by the way, those screenshots are great, but I've just suddenly realised, it uh, doesn't quite fit us, could you modify this and that, and you can go ahead and do that, because you're doing it. Yeah. As soon as you can change it, whereas if, at the end, it's there. You need paper trail for this. Yeah, he goes, oh, yeah. sorry, we, we can't because this has already been done and we can And if you change that bit, we're going to start from scratch. You, were, you see what we, what we said earlier about uh, being able to say no. Is you, you can be able to say no when you sort of like uh, prepare ahead documentation that says um, this is what we're great on for yeah. f- phase one of your product. Whatever you need doing that process will be added after that yeah. and you have to agree with this otherwise it's it's hell for you it's hell for us uh, it, it impacts our other clients because uh, indirectly because then we have to take that time to make that happen yeah. so we, this is a mistake we made in the beginning where we were saying yes to everything yeah. where mm-hmm. it was not well framed now we frame it as much as we can i know we had talks internally where oh there's a sentence here that specifies that we need to be able to do this with the platform, but it's so vague yeah. that it could be interpreted in, in too many in two different ways, and so we try to narrow it down so that there's no interpretation of what is required. Uh, we're clear that mm-hmm. what you want is this, and you want it to work this exactly. Yeah. Exact and you have milestones, and once milestones, once you've reached a milestone, we've reached this milestone here. We said we would have a look at it. And once you agree with this, it can't be changed. So you would agree with this now, and then we go on to the next stage. Yes, yes. And then once you've done that stage, we agree with it. Yeah. Now, obviously, in the end, if there's certain tweaks we can do here and there, that's fine. But the majority of the stuff you would agree to can't be changed. And you know that and understand that. Yeah, yeah it's about educating the yeah. client. Because even with design, they don't understand how much of a process goes behind it. So yeah. they come back and say, the website looks great. There's just this one little thing I need to change. And we're like, that is not a little thing. That actually <laughs> affects so much that you don't see in the background like once we make them aware of that yeah then they don't make such throwaway comments and they're like is it possible to change this little thing is it actually a little thing or what can we do to reopen the conversation to modify it so that we're both happy and like it's not personal sometimes it's it feels like the client is not being understanding or is being totally cheeky in what they're asking but you're never dealing with just one person. You're dealing with the spokesperson for a team. And when that person comes back and says, we've changed our mind, it's because 10 people 
on the other side that we don't get to meet said, actually, we want it this way. And that poor, unfortunate soul is the bearer of bad news yeah. coming back to us and saying, sorry, but it's changed. This is a very good point. Uh, don't give access to your production team to the client. Yeah. Because they're going to ask them tons of things. And they're gonna do those things. Uh, yeah. Just oh, okay, yeah, we want. There wanna... needs to be a middleman. <laughs> they need to be, yeah, yeah. It's it's this. Uh, it's so true. Like how it can change along the way, and how you it makes you feel bad when you tell them. Oh, actually, this is gonna take. It's this valid point yeah. from the client, but you gotta tell them that it's coming after, mm-hmm. uh, after what we agreed, and it puts you in a situation where you want to help them but you got to be professional in your approach at the same time and, and protect all. your own team as yeah. well yeah the worst thing is when you get something that's to make a change and you know that one small change is going to affect how it might look in a mobile device yeah. so it looks great on the desktop yeah you can change it because it looks fine first it goes that's fine but imagine if you're in a mobile device uh, on a tablet or, or a smartphone it's not going to work as good anymore why yeah. because that, that change you said absolutely I've seen that before and when you can explain that to the client you can say like this is how many people actually access your website or any website through mobile devices. This is a portable world where people want access all the time. Yeah. They might never have thought of that before, yeah. you know? So just making sure that they're understanding the consequences of these little changes. Yeah, they're assuming that when they, when they see a website, if it works on a desktop, that's it, that's it. Yeah. They don't realize more people are using. And like at, at times at home, I'm using my, my mobile phone more than my, my laptop. Yeah. Do, do yes, use yes. It? So when I'm actually responding to emails and doing stuff, I'm actually doing more so on, on, on this. And people are realizing that that's the biggest thing now is this has now been used a lot more. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. And it comes back to what Julian said, like the fact that we can say, listen, we have a lot of experience and expertise in this area. We know how many people use a 13-inch laptop screen, how many people use a massive 4K screen, yeah. uh, and how many people use mobile. That at least they know that we're not just making up the reason we're not being stubborn and saying, no, we're not making that change, we're saying... You can pull if, out the numbers. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, Tony as well has a lot of experience with making a good user experience on somebody's app or website when we can actually say to them, this change is going to affect how people will use and interact with your platform. At least they 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 believe us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, you're right. Like, like from the traffic that we monitor from the clients we have in Galway, uh, I think it's 60% of uh, the users will be using a mobile device. Yeah. yeah. There's also, like, the, uh, the purpose of the website. Like, uh, there's a difference between, uh, between shopping for clothes and shopping for a new laptop, for example. Yeah. Like, uh, shopping for clothes, uh, a bunch of them would be on mobile devices, and then uh, shopping for a laptop would be done more on the computer. It's like... You gotta educate your, <laughs> as as Deirdre just said. You gotta educate them because we've made a mistake. That's probably another take, for whoever listens. Uh, you, you know, like we've educated poorly in the beginning, because yeah. we're doing things very quickly, and so people assume that it's super easy, super fast, super. It's, it's simple. Yeah. They ask something, I'll come. And we wanted to be fast, and we were fast. We had great customer support uh, for with for everybody yeah. that we work for. But that's bad. Like you. You should not. You can do it. Don't even if you finish today. Give it to them in a few days. Because yeah. give yourself some time to breathe. Yeah. yeah. Because a client will keep asking for more, and it's like I said, you got to protect your team, and you got to make sure that we don't suddenly have six projects running at once. 
Yeah, if they, if they figure they did that, you said yes once, you see yes again. Yeah. again. Exactly. Yeah, yeah it, it's a it's a trap. Like it's a <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> say, saying yes once uh, is 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 a kind of a trap, and the same thing for like for for you know. Uh, First hand uh, uh, victim of this uh, uh, yeah. bad education. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, uh, it's uh, it's it, um, the thing is, it, it's also a problem when you have to start uh, billing the client because you said yes for free the first time. So yeah. if the second time you say, oh wait, this one would cost something. No, oh, this time uh, you gotta pay because we felt guilty about giving you free stuff. And the worst thing is, if you get somebody and they you got a product. That uh, they're looking at from a, from a laptop view, yeah. and seeing it'll air on YouTube. Actually, most of the people looking at the computer are going to be looking at it on a big four K screen. Mm-hmm. You got to let them know that what you see on a laptop won't be the same as on a bigger screen. Most of your clients are going to be using a bigger screen because that's what they have in their offices, and they're going to see it in that, and it's going to look great in that. But when you look at a laptop, everything looks smaller. We have on, a solution the for total, that. No, but on the total flip side of that, really quickly, like we've had people when we were in our tech support phase after the website is released, they they message us and they're like, "Hey, it doesn't look right," and we're like, "Okay, so tell us what browser you're using, what hardware you're on, what screen size you have, what's the resolution." And honestly, we have come across machines that we would never have expected to exist in the yeah. world you know like they're like oh well my laptop is 10 years old and it's 9.276 centimeters yeah. explore eight yeah and they're months. like i've never ever updated and we're like sorry but we can't even get that machine to test on it like this is not meant for that please just buy a new laptop don't expect us to develop specifically for this very niche. Well, you get somebody who decides to use a smart TV to view to, to view websites. Uh, we've 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 <laughs> been there, yeah. <laughs> it, uh, yes, uh, and it's uh, it's very important to I guess like uh, you know very important to sort of make sure that uh, you understand everything. But we have a solution for all those different sizes, mm. which obviously engineers and, t- and, and uh, developers will not like, but what, so most of the websites we're going to do in a high-end sort of uh, approach uh, delivery, the premium yeah. content, is that we're going to do things with uh, relative units. So it's designed in one format, and we tell the, the, the tech team, whether it's Julian or when there were other people in the team as well, we ask them, you got to do that in relative units. Meaning, it doesn't matter how I stretch this interface, it will always be consistent and relative yeah. to the rest. And it's great. So because a long, long screen with relative units would pre- will preserve most of the, um, the, the look. Ratio, yeah, yeah. The ratio. Uh, smaller screens. And then you have tablet, obviously, and um, mobile. But that for that, you remember when I was talking about having design and technology yeah. talking together? Um, if you have that from the beginning, uh, Julian is one of those rare developers who can extrapolate from a desktop version. Yeah. So you yeah. don't have time to design, you're rushing, uh, the mobile version is not there. And Julian goes like, eh, no problem, I'll extrapolate a version based on what we've ha- we have here. And most of the time, we're at 17-80% success on that version. The only input of the designer comes after, you fix it, you tweak it, and it's gone. Yeah. So before I finish the podcast, anything else we'll add to it? Well, we're very happy that you came to see us and, and to talk to us about what we do. Uh, very, it's the first time we sort of put ourselves out there uh, following the Creative Business Cup. 
So yeah. uh, thank you. That's that's the thing I'd like to add yeah. because yeah. we've had a lot of good publici- publicity with this event where we represented Ireland for the first time for the Creative Business Cup. And uh, we hope it's going to continue this way. But yeah. So thank you for, for giving us the time and... Uh, and uh, to to talk about us basically we hope that we're going to be one of those success stories that you got us now right as we're reaching our million dollar idea and in two years time we're going to be super super well established and uh, we'll call you up and say hey we we need that podcast for yeah i want you to be the guy that basically when you when you're doing your ice show somewhere in new york i'm flying with you in private jet (laughs) (laughs) absolutely yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. exactly um yeah well, uh, a big thank you for uh, for coming to uh, to the office today, and uh, yeah, I think it was a a great chat, really. It was uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, and it's cool. Yeah, and I'm sure a lot of people here in this podcast who are in a startup mode or startups, I think Dean will uh, will actually relate to what you're going through, what we'll go through. So when you're saying like take risk, risks, you're not saying blow all your budget on one thing, <laughs> but you said you, at times. It's going to cost a bit more money, spend it, because in the long term it's going to take money. So you're giving people a lot of good advice they can listen to and think, wow. Yeah, when when your team has a focus and everybody, just just make sure, no matter how many people it is, if it's two people or seven, make sure you're working towards the same goal, then anything is possible because you're on the same page. Yeah, don't don't surround yourself with burn heads as well. Surround yourself with great people that can understand the, those risks and, and that are and, multi-talented that yeah. helps <laughs> not only us but like the mentors yeah. it's network don't be sad about negativity people who are telling you no won't, work, won't happen yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah you, want, you want as much realistic and maybe a little bit of cynicism around you just because if everybody's false flattering you all the time and saying yeah. hey this is the best thing I've ever seen it's um, probably not true she's the cynical part of it. we need some of that we don't have we get up it's a scenario where everyone's telling you oh that's crap it's not going to work or it doesn't work no. it looks ugly <laughs> you want somebody who can basically jar you into real life and say look great as it is it could be better yeah, yeah mm-hmm. a balance yeah. yeah or at least a middle ground yeah, you need to be like that, and I know that you guys are good at that. I, I never settle for middle ground. I always go like, and I think that upsets others. I've met multiple times in the team, they go like, oh, you're very demanding. And I'm like, no, I just want to make things awesome. Like when someone sees it, or when I see it, I go like, oh, wow, that's cool. Yeah, no settling. No settling. Always try and improve. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, even when it's wow for others, you get like, oh, I can still do it better. Next time, it'll be better. Mm. Yeah, like you have to know your limits and your limits in time and money, but also like your limits in your ability. And sometimes if you have to settle for a project that is 96% amazing, just because you had no time or money, like you're always going to cry over that 4%. It's There's one thing I'd like to add, yeah, is that despite the fact that we're independent, very proud of what we've achieved so far and then we want to do more, uh, we're now opening, uh, we were a bit like, no, we want to do this by ourselves. Yeah. We're now more open to uh, network partners, uh, investors, and other startups that want to collaborate with us. So we are now talking actively to those people saying, hey, we've got a new project called Velvet Valkyrie. Would you like to help us? Uh, are you a startup that could help us in an area that we don't have expertise in? Are you an investor who would like to put some money down the table and, and help us in that journey? Or you're a network partner who wants to sponsor us and help or us. Someone who there. wants to join our team because you know yeah, we, we don't want to grow the team. Yeah. We can't even advertise an open position. We're looking for all rounders who are just happy to create. Yeah. 
This is very important for yeah, us. Yeah, and also for your website, is it, I know at the moment it's going to be relaunched re soon. Yeah. Mm. So at the moment, uh, when will it be launched and where can you go to find it? Well, we're actually working out. So it already exists. Yeah. It's not pushed live because it's not good enough. Uh, I'm sure people would be like, this is great. Uh, but uh, we're kind of working on it right now. Yeah. And there's especially uh, offering people a point of contact with us that is more direct. Yeah. So a contact form or like a quote for, uh, 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 option where you can sort of build your project before. Yeah. There's something we're working on. We're going to be, be putting out the out live in August. Yeah. So that in, we hope uh, we're going to have like some contacts through in September. So it's a priority number one, basically. Yeah. So it's coming... I'd say very soon. Yeah. Mm. Um, as soon as time allows it, and yeah. I say that every time. Mm. But it is real. We want to put that out there because we already have like a merch store about our own brand yeah. that exists, but there's no website there. Uh, it's still in in. So coming soon. The moment, go to Medium to find more. But you guys go to Medium. Go to Medium. Go to Instagram. Twitter. 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 Yeah. We're very active. Or always, you can email business at Blackbook Studio. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, all of us are behind that email, checking what's going on, yeah. uh, and it's, um, yeah, it's, it's coming soon, so, uh, keep your eyes peeled and We're gonna stay push tuned. it everywhere as soon okay. as it's live. We'll, yeah. we'll send you for sure the, the link, uh, we hope people are gonna like it. Alright, so thanks so much for that, Tony, Derrida, and Julian, have a great day. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Thank you.